All right, good morning, Five Stones. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. So if you're joining with us for the first time, I want to say welcome to our church. Welcome to our church family. We are going through a sermon series that is going through the fruit of the Spirit uh, so that we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And so today as we continue, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, and it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there are no law. And today we are going to be covering the topic of joy. Ooh, yeah, joy. So when most people think about joy, and when we, we often talk about joy, most people refer to it as an emotion, something equivalent of feeling happy. However, this will be a very simplistic and, world, and very watered-down definition of what joy is because joy is not contingent on external circumstances. Joy comes from a much deeper place, it's a sense of well-being and being rooted in our relationship with God. Joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It could be present in the midst of both triumph and in trials. So before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. As your mercies are new every morning, we come together to worship you. Lord, as we look at what you have to teach us today about joy, we ask that your spirit be the one that brings transformation. That no matter what we're going through right now, that we ask for your joy to be our strength. So Lord, as a church, we come before you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I like how Andrew says he's pulling a John, but he's been doing that way before I've been doing that, so I'm pulling an Andrew. All right. I am getting my eyes checked, by the way. Hallelujah, says my staff. All right. So when we look at the fruit of the Spirit as, as a church, and followers of Jesus were called to live out God's creational intentions of what church culture is supposed to look like. Oftentimes, in, if you've been around the church, we call this kingdom culture. What kingdom culture is, is it reflects this life that we're intended to live. So when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, remember it's one fruit that God gives us, and that one fruit has all the characteristics of God, right? It's one fruit that gives you all of these nine gifts. It's not just one gift or two gifts or just several of the gifts that, that we get to pick and choose, that God gives you all nine gifts, and all nine gifts are a part of who you are as a follower of Jesus. But not only as a follower of Jesus as an image bearer of, of, of God, God says that I created you in my image and these are my characteristics. 
And if you are created in my image, therefore, you have these characteristics. But because of sin and brokenness, we kind of lost sight of that. We kind of lost the ability to actually live in that place. And so God, in his new creation, says, now my spirit's for you. And because of that, you get to live with these characteristics again. So we look at joy. What is joy? Again, I'm always going to start back at the Old Testament, guys. Joy has everything to do with God rescuing his people. In the Jewish tradition of joy, joy was expressed when God does the thing that the people are waiting for. For example, when God, when God called Moses to lead the exodus out of Egypt into freedom, into the promised land, that was joy. That was the elation of people saying, God promised us. He freed us. He restored us. He restored his people. Another time that we see joy is we see in Nehemiah when after the, the Babylonian conquer and, and, and as the Jewish people were coming back in to Jerusalem and rebuilding that temple through Nehemiah, the people were filled with joy. In fact, in Nehemiah 8, it says, as they were returning, it says, the, Lord, the joy of the Lord becomes what? Your strength. Joy in the Jewish tradition is often connected to the idea of being restored or being back into right relationship. Joy comes when people align their lives with God and God's word. It is joy that gave Jewish people their resilience and their strength. This sense of joy because of what God has done is a new beginning. It's part of what we now call living in new creation. What's new creation? New creation is what Jesus came to establish. That we live in a time of new, new creation right now, that our culture that we live in is new. It's different from the Old Testament. It's new. And it was set by Jesus' death and resurrection. We see that throughout the Old Testament, the prophecies were that, were that there was going to be a Messiah to come, that the Jews were waiting for this new age to dawn. And in some ways, some of the Jews are still waiting for that because they believe that the Messiah is to come to restore what was taken away. What Jesus came to do fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, but not in a way that everybody expected it to. The early Christians and some of the early Jews expected something completely different. They expected the Messiah to do a complete political turnover, and that didn't happen. Because Jesus' purpose wasn't to come and change the political climate of what was happening on, during that time. Jesus came for something that was much bigger. 
Jesus came to establish something that was much bigger than just the, 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 the situation, the circumstances that the Jews were going through. And the Jews were being oppressed. They were led by the Roman government. They were being, in so many ways, they couldn't be the way that they, they felt like they, they were called to be. They weren't their independent people. And they expected this Messiah to come, and they're still expecting that Messiah to come to free them from this place. But Jesus didn't do any of that. Because what Jesus came to do was greater than what the Jewish people expected. What Jesus came to do was a restoration of the entire world and not just the Jewish people. What Jesus came to establish and came to set in place was for all of creation. Was for everyone. And this is what we call kingdom culture. When Jesus came and died, what happened was a new creation. But here's the tension that we live in today. That as Jesus came and established a new creation, we're still living with the old world. This is what a lot of theologians call the now and the not yet. Right? That we're living in new creation now, but we're also not fully living in it, what we call kingdom culture. So it's the now, yes, we have access to the kingdom of heaven, but not yet, because God hasn't fully restored the world yet. And so we're living in this overlap of the world where there's still brokenness, there's still sin, there's still trials, there's still things that we need to go through, and there's still hardship, and we're, we're, we're suffering. People are suffering. But yet, Jesus says that there's this new creation that I've come to establish, there's a new culture that I've come to establish, and that we are able to live the things of heaven here on earth today. And so there's, this is this, this weird concept, this overlap of worlds in which we live and are part of this world, but yet we belong to the kingdom of heaven and that we live out a relationship with God in a place where we understand the characteristics of God, we understand the intentions of God, that we are renewed in the idea of what God created us as humans to be, as image bearers of Christ, image bearers of God, and yet we still need to go through the brokenness of the world. We still need to experience what the old world has. When we, when, we, when we look at how we're living today, we feel like we need to endure the things of the world. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, Surprised by Joy, that joy is the serious business of heaven. If you haven't read this book, this book is basically his autobiography of how he became a Christian. And C.S. Lewis, in this book, as he's talking about the serious business of heaven, he writes, and he means this by joy, is that joy is this profound and essential aspect of heaven. That joy is not a fleeting emotion or a temporary state, but a fundamental and significant aspect of the divine reality. So the ultimate purpose or the serious business is for us to bring joy. 
because heaven is filled with joy. So the pursuit of joy is central to heaven's purpose. This means that we have joy to live in the now and joy that generates a new shape for what's to come. So how does joy work in the present time, in a time of not yet? Well, we have the Spirit of God. Jesus, as he left, he says that I'm going to give you a helper. This helper is the Holy Spirit. So we have the Spirit of God. We have God's presence. We have God's kingdom in the now as well as the not yet. So in this new creation time, we are actively participating in God's redemptive plan for the world. This is the participation in living lives which proclaim the gospel, the embodiment of God's love in the midst of this broken world, and to have and to hold on to the joy that comes with love. Joy then becomes a way of looking at things. Joy is a point of view. Joy is not the absence of sadness, but joy is present during our times of sadness. This is what gives us hope, that joy can exist regardless of your, our emotions and our circumstances. So how does this play out in our daily lives? Well, there's a story in Acts 12 in Acts 12, if you have a good turn there, it talks about James being arrested by Herod and then being killed by Herod. James, James is one of the disciples of Jesus. So Jesus died, left. Herod comes, arrests James. And he kills James and he sees the reaction of the people and he's just, and he's just like, oh, this is good. This is going to put some fear into people. He's like, they're, they're preaching this, this, this thing that's it's almost this revolt against the government. This is good. So what does he do? He goes and he captures Peter as well. And, and, and is basically saying, we're, we're going to capture Peter and make another spectacle for, for the people to see. That they, they cannot mess with us. And then we have this miraculous story where, where Peter is arrested and he's shackled, and then this angel comes and releases shackles and leads him out, and he's set free from prison. Where does Peter go? He goes to Mary's house. Not Mary, Jesus' mother, but Mary, the mother of James and John, you know, the, the Thunder Brothers, right? How do you think Mary felt in that moment? Because as Peter was arrested, the church came around and says, we need to pray for Peter, we need to pray for the release of Peter. How do you think Mary felt in that moment? That my son was also captured, we prayed for him and he got killed. Peter was captured and we prayed for him and God released him. How do you think Mary felt? Do you think Mary was happy 
about the fact that his, her son had to die, but Peter was released? No. But yet in grieving and in mourning, Mary still had joy. Because joy allows us to see the greater redemptive plan of God. It allows us to see that there is something much greater than my emotions, much greater than myself, much greater than what I know and see. That in the midst of suffering, that I can still celebrate. That in the midst of suffering, that I can still have joy. It doesn't mean that I have to feel the emotions of happiness. It just means that in my spirit, I have peace. In my spirit, I have love. In my spirit, I am able to witness God's miraculous doings regardless of my emotions. Does that make sense, church? There's hope and joy in the midst of difficult circumstances because of our confidence in God's ultimate redemption and restoration of what is to come. Suffering is a sign as the leading edge of the kingdom where we represent what Jesus is about. That Jesus is Lord against all principalities. So what this means is that we can mourn, we can grieve. We actually, we should hold spaces for that. We should hold spaces to have those emotions. We could grieve in death at the end of relationships. We could grieve, we could be hurt, we could be anxious about things. But Jesus tells us this, that in and amongst all of those emotions, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what are these things? These things are the fruit of the Spirit. All these things will be added unto you. All of my, what I have to offer you, all of kingdom culture will be added unto you. That yes, you're in our brokenness and in our humanity, we're going to feel a lot of things. And God gave us those emotions to feel those things, to go through those things. But God says, in those moments of anxiousness, in those moments of hurt, in those moments of grieving, in those moments of mourning, in those moments of suffering, come and seek my kingdom, and I will add these things unto you. I will give you the tools, I will give you the things for you to see the bigger picture of what I am doing in this world, for you to be a part of this new creation that I have created for you to get to experience with me. That you're not alone in this, that you don't have to try to figure this out, that my, for, my, my, my forgiveness is there for you as you come before me. That you have full access to who I am because of my son Jesus. My son Jesus died for you so that you are able to come to me. So seek ye first. Seek God first. Because the work is done. So come, find me. And I will add all these things unto you. When we seek the things of the kingdom, 
That is what it means to live in the kingdom. That is what all this churchy language, right? Kingdom culture, live in the kingdom of God. We are part of the kingdom of God. What is that? Sometimes we, we hear all these things and we're like, okay, we, we kind of get it, but we don't. What it actually just means is just come and seek after my kingdom. Come look for me. Come and, and, and draw from me. Come and be with me. Sometimes we work so hard in trying to live out kingdom culture that we forget that kingdom culture is simply just to be with God. Kingdom culture is just saying, I'm going to come and be with you. I'm going to come and sit with you. Last night I read a storybook to my kids. Uh, Max Lucado's You Are Special. Have you guys heard of it? And it talks about uh, Eli, who's this creator of these wooden puppets and this wooden puppet land. And they get dots and stars and this one puppet keeps getting these dots. They're basically, dots are no good, stars are good. And he comes to Eli the Creator, and Eli's like, the more you be with me, the more that you know who I am, these dots will no longer stick on you. Living in kingdom culture is just coming back again and again to who God is. Living kingdom culture is just being the presence of who God is. When you're in his presence, you don't have to worry about trying to live out kingdom culture because when you're in the presence of God, you'll understand what it means to live in kingdom culture. I said that joy is a way of looking at things. It's a, it's a point of view. In Hebrews 12, 2, it talks about how we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the one for, who for the joy was set before him endure, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That Jesus had joy set before him in the order to endure the cross. Last week, as Pastor Andrew came and brought us uh, the message of love, he said that Jesus at Gethsemane said, Lord, let this cup pass from me, if you will. But at the same time, Jesus also said, but let your will be done. In order for us to go through that emotion, we need to understand the bigger picture. The bigger picture of what God is, 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 is creating here, what God has made. That joy is part of heaven. And so as Jesus looked at the cross, the only way that he was able to go through with going to the cross was because he was fixed on the aspect of joy in heaven. That it is, there was no joy in hanging on the cross. But Jesus knew the purpose 
Joy is a focus and not a feeling. Joy is a point of view. I was trying to think about like how do how do we actually how do we tackle this idea of of like understanding that joy needs to be our focus. And this is my best analogy and it might be a weak one. A couple of years ago I hurt my back pretty badly and it wasn't even like doing anything active. It was lifting my kid. Right. I, for those dads that are here, you know like you're, you're trying to lift your kid, it's an awkward position, and you kind of twist, and it's like, oh, you just threw out your back. Your kid weighs like nothing, right? 20, 30 pounds. Yet those 20, 30 pounds, because you're not prepared for it, you hurt your back, right? Yet when we go and move something, or we go, for, the, for those guys that are into going to the gym, I'm not one of those guys, but for those guys that are going to the gym and ready to go to the gym, when you put those weights on or when you go and lift up um, those weights, you're prepared, you're focused, you're ready. When you go to lift that heavy box, you know, lift from the legs, not from the back, right? That's what I feel like when we focus joy as a way of looking at things instead of just expecting it to come. Because sometimes when you expect it to come, you miss it. Because if you're just saying it's an emotion that comes with happiness, then you'll miss it. Because, and sometimes it could actually even hurt you because of the fact that you're not ready for it. But if you're focused on it and if you're, you're, you're ready for it, no matter what the burden is, you're prepared. Your spine is lined up, it's ready. Your muscles are tightened up around your spine and says, yes, I'm ready to lift it. Instead of like, oh, your kid's going to jump on you from the top bunk of the bed and then you throw out your back. Does that make sense? Or is it a weak analogy? I don't know. Tell me later. (laughs) Truth. Joy is a focus before it's a feeling. James says, count it all joy. James 1, chapter 1, verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. Consider pure joy. Oh, trials and tribulation, how do we consider that even joy? Because it's not an emotion. Do you get it? It's not based on your circumstances. Joy is your focus. Joy is looking heavenward. Joy is being in kingdom culture. Joy is living in a place where it doesn't matter what you're going through, that you get to experience the redeeming act of God at all times. That's what joy is, that we are able to rejoice and be joyful in all things because we see God in every circumstance. Amen? 
if we try to find joy and try to live out joy, we are not going to find it or get it because what we're looking for is emotions. Joy is extremely practical. In 2022, uh, May of 2022, right around Mother's Day, my grandmother passed away. And was the first person in my life that passed away that, had, that I had a very significant relationship with. I grieved and I mourned and I cried. But in it, I had so much joy. Why did I have joy? Because in so many ways, it was a celebration of her life. That the, it was the decisions of my grandmother's as she made, as she put her faith in God. It's why my generation get to reap the blessings. So in that moment, my emotions were filled with sadness. I miss her. She raised me. She was there every single day for me. But in my heart and my spirit, I was filled with joy. That's what it means when we have the focus of joy in our life. It's like Job in the Bible. You guys know the story of Job. Where he's put through all these trials and he's, he's devastated. Like his family is killed, his wealth is taken away, everything in his life is taken away, his health, even his health was taken away. Every ounce of being was taken away. Job suffered, yet... He trusted and knew God is for him. In the suffering, he was able to have hope. Joy is the bigger narrative of what God has for this world. There are many terrible things happening in the world right now. There are many terrible things that are happening in your life right now. Yet the Bible calls us to be in a posture of rejoicing. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And if you continue to read it, it actually says, Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Do we live in a place where we understand that the Lord is near? Not time-wise, but that the Lord is near to you. That God sees you. That God is near and that he's not far away. He's not distant. He's not even within arm's reach. He's, he's close. That you're able to, to call on God at any time, that the Lord is there for you, that God is there to 
hold you, to be with you, to celebrate with you. That God is there for you. That it doesn't matter who you are, that God is there for you. It doesn't matter what you've done, that God is with you. It doesn't matter the life that you've lived. That as long as you call on his name, that he's available for you. Because of that, we always live in a place of rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul goes, and again I say, rejoice. I believe that to live out this idea of kingdom culture and the fruit of the Spirit, it's like learning a new language or learning a new instrument. My wife is picking up the piano again after a long time. And she practices at home all the time. And she's practicing and practicing. And part of it is like she knew the language and she knew how to play the piano from as a kid, but she wants to pick it up again. And to pick it up again requires us to practice. It requires an intentional aspect of saying, I am going to learn this. It's funny because as she's learning the piano and she's playing, she's trying to figure things out, and then she'll send me these reels on Instagram of these like prodigies. You know what I mean? Like seven-year-olds that listen to the music and then they're, they're able to play it out right away. God didn't call you to live kingdom culture that way, okay? That, that's special. But God says, Come to me. To live out kingdom culture, we need to learn the culture of the kingdom, right? You're not able to live out kingdom culture if you don't learn it, if you don't practice it, if you're not spending time in it. So church, the, way, the best way for us to spend time in it is to spend time in prayer and spend time in study. Read the word of God. Steep yourself in it. Pray. Pray without ceasing. In First Thessalonians it says, rejoice always. Okay? That's verse 16. That's just one verse. Rejoice always. Verse 17, what does it say? Pray continually. To rejoice always requires to pray continually because in praying continually you put yourself into the place of who God is that you get to be in that relationship with him that you get to steep with him praying continually is being Martha sitting at the foot of Jesus Praying continually is saying that I am going to be in the presence of God so that I am always looking towards who God is so that I can live a life of rejoicing always. Amen? 
Joy is the great evidence of conversion. It is the discovering of the kingdom of God. It is the moment of returning to God and being in right relationship with him. Joy is the character of God given to us through his spirit so that we have the joyous reality of living in the kingdom of God. Joy is not because things work well, but the most brilliant display of joy is often when you see it while we're in trials. As we walk in the Spirit, may we also have the joy set before us is an, in, in anticipation of the profound and external joy that is fulfilled through God's redemptive plan. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you as a church and we just say that we want to live this life of rejoicing. Lord, we ask for your joy to be our strength. We ask your joy to be our perseverance. We ask for your joy to be our focus and our purpose. So, Father God, as a church, we come before you humbly. We ask for your mercies, your grace, your compassion to be with us every single day. But we ask that we look heavenward and we look at your joy for us. So, Lord, we thank you, we love you, we give all praise to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus endured the cross. Why? Hebrews chapter 12 tells us it's because it's for the joy that was set before him. And I love that, that verse in Hebrews chapter 12 because it, it, it really tells me that it's, yeah, we, we live in the, in, the, in the now, the now that is still not yet. And, and like Jesus, we'll go through things that will, will probably rip us apart. And I know that Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12 was written with, uh, uh, before Hebrews uh, chapter 12, what's what? Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 talks about the cloud of witnesses that was there. And the cloud of witnesses include people that were torn apart by lions and, and things like that. So some of us might have to go through that experience where it, it feels like suffering and there's no joy. And I, you know, and I like what Pastor John talked about. The, uh, yet in that time, it is not a, it's not an emotion, it's not just a, just a, a feeling, but it's a, it's, a, it's a remembering, a remembering of who God is. That our God also took that suffering and our God also understands deeply that suffering and that pain and that we, 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 are, we are all called to, to that place where we know that God is still with us even in that time. That's an old uh, kid's song that, that, uh, that I remember from a long time ago and um, it's a Sunday school song. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. How many of you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart. For the king is in residence there. And I trust today that you will find that the king is with you because that's, it's the fruit of the spirit. The king dwells in your heart. You, are the te- you have the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the king dwells there. And remember that. As you, as you go through the rough 
rough times, the, the king is in residence in your heart. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart. So today, uh, may you go out with uh, renewed confidence that God is with you. And from the depths of your being, the one who loved you, who gave his life for you, Jesus has also gave you his spirit to be with you forever and ever. And may joy indeed be uh, the flag that is flown high from the castle of your heart. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for this uh, reminder once again to rejoice in you always, to uh, rejoice evermore. And not because we just want to uh, have a smooth going in our, in our daily uh, living, not just because we want to, to feel comforted, to know that you are always with us. Somehow you are always with us. Somehow that it is the fruit of, of, of living in you, trusting you, of believing you, of knowing that you loved us, that you sent, Father, that you sent your son for us, and that you love this world so much, and to have that confidence that we can know deep in our hearts and our being that uh, somehow, uh, mysteriously, you. You are looking over us and you are, you are doing a good work, doing a good thing, restoring us and uh, helping us to see that we are truly a new creation in you. And so may we find joy in knowing that uh, in deep in our hearts, this new creation, it's sometimes it's, it's sputtering. <laughs> and sometimes it, it seems like it's, it's not where it's supposed to be because we are still living in a not yet. We believe that uh, you will, you will restore all things, and, uh, and 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 we will have that new creation fully. But right now, as we as we look to you, as we experience things that are in the not yet, we ask that you would uh, help us to see strongly, and when with faith in our hearts that you are with us. In our trials, in our when when we face all kinds of trials, knowing that. Uh, that uh, as we persevere through, we'll become more mature and we'll become uh, not lacking anything anymore. So help us in our, in our walk with you. Help us to know uh, how we can continue to be uh, finding favor in you even when we are facing all kinds of tests and, and trials, knowing that joy is a permanent thing because you are Jesus, you are residents. Uh, you are taking residence in our heart. So be with us as we continue to uh, reflect, meditate upon your joy. And, uh, may your and now, may God bless you and keep you and be gracious to you. May God let his peace run over you, knowing that you are love and the grace of peace of God be with you. And all God's people say, Amen.